Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. When I am personally going through something, I seem to want to gather information. I seem to want to be a student of the issue because one thing about me, I'm going to conquer whatever it is that is trying to defeat me. But more than that, I really have a desire to teach other people how to dismantle whatever's going on in their lives as well. It's one thing to go ahead and plant and see the things blossom and get the fruit in my own life and then I eat and I'm full from the fruit. But I don't think that that's necessarily the sole purpose of what God is trying to do in people's lives. I feel like he literally, just like he said, listen, I'm I'm sending you out to make disciples of people. It's whatever you learned from me, whatever you conquered with me, whatever it is that I showed you in an area, I am asking you and I'm trusting you to send you out into the world so that you can give this respite and release to others and it has truly just been remarkable to me what God has been showing me more so because he has single-handedly changed my palate for life I have become diligent in being a seeker and a retainer for all things peace let me tell you something I am hypersensitive to anything that tries to go against me sustaining my peace. I have become the 80 year old version of myself. And I'm like, listen, the one thing about it, I'm gonna keep my peace. Okay. <laughs> and that's, what I'm gonna talk. I'm probably gonna talk real, real fast or whatever, or maybe real slow because who got the time to be explaining myself? I'm speaking in 140 characters or less. And anybody who don't get it just won't get it. And whoever's going to get it was meant to get it in the first place. And that's just how that's going to work with no attitude, but very much of listen, This peace that I have is peace that Jesus left for me, peace that he did not give the world. The world did not give me, so the world cannot take it from me. And that's just what I'm going to be on. But why wait to 80? I'm doing it now. And so literally, I have become a good steward of all things peace. And in doing so, what that requires of me is that I have to identify those things that do not aid for a peaceful environment, a peaceful mindset, and E, all the above, uh, a, a peaceful life. I came across Romans 12, and I was like, God, I see what it is that you're trying to do with me in this season. And let me explain something to you. It just won't be a season. I plan on making it my lifestyle. Yeah, that's one thing to go on a fast, learn some things and be like, wow, that was awesome. And then right after the fast, you go right back to eating the wrong way, right back to digesting and taking in shows that he told you not to watch, right back to listening to what he told you not to listen to, right back to the relationships that he was like, listen, like some people need to really take a Selah moment and say, listen, there was a like a true line of demarcation from the time that I took the fast to the time that I went on. And then when I came back out, it's like you, you treated it like it was a car wash. 
Like, oh, I'm just going through this situation temporarily just to wash some stuff off of me. But then you traveled the same roads to accumulate the same form of dirt and grime and all the grease that God was trying to get off of you in the first place. So a lot of people treat when God is trying to teach them something and shift something out of their lives, they treat it like a car wash. Mm -mm, I want to treat it like a lifestyle. The principles that God is showing me, I would, it would behoove me to make sure that I'm like leaned in and I'm leaned in in such a way that I'm not naturally someone who likes to journal. I'm so leaned in that I'm like, time out, run that back Quavo. Because I'm writing down the things that he's saying because the gems that he is dropping, the attention that he has right now in my life. This is not just circumstantial. And what I don't want to do is be naive enough to think that I'm going to grasp all of this and be able to hone all of this all throughout. Like if that's the case, he would have just spoke the Bible and went ahead and told people, make sure you remember this part. But he knew I'm going to have to jot some of this down. I'm going to have to track some of this so that you have something to continuously reflect on, something to continuously reference back to because there's nothing new under the sun. And so for as long as I'm living, any time that he actually shows, and I'm, ooh, I'm making a declaration, I'm kind of scared. Well, I will make, because let your yes be yes and your no be no. I will make living my life intentional. I don't want it to be this kind of frivolous, you just kind of happenstantial. I'm not doing any of that. If God took time out of his throneship, his kingdom, to see about me, I want to honor that and apply what it is that he's showing me. So when I looked in Romans 12, verse 2 popped out off the screen, almost like it wanted to bloody my nose. But I was like, wait a minute, no pain. Like, I can get the gain without, without the pain. <laughs> this ain't the gym. But it literally just, it provoked me to just have this very conversation with you. Romans 12, 2, you know I read in the NLT version. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I'm going to do it one more again. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And I realized this is the most peaceful I have ever felt literally, no clickbait, in my entire life. And I'm like, yo, what happened? <laughs> I didn't get a new social security number. I didn't get an influx of external tangible situations, money, tangible items. I didn't get what happened. And I literally just had to say like, I'm think I'm living a Romans 12, two situation. God has changed so much of how I see a thing. It's not no longer surface value. I'm going behind the scenes. I'm going backstage and I'm going, God, give, give that to me in a more palatable way so I can make sure that I'm digesting this with truth so that when I regurgitate this and share this with other people, that it's still you in this. I don't want to have so much of me in this that it's like, wait a minute. God is teaching you something for you. Let him go ahead and 
get the principle so that you can share with others where you're not sharing recipes of your life. You're sharing the principles that they can add and go back to for God to get the instructions for their life. Hence why it says, then you will learn to know God's will for you. It didn't say then you will learn God's will for life. It didn't have a blanket. It was no, it's very customizable. It's very circumstantial. It is very personalized. And I think that's where I'm starting to really get like, wait a minute, God, I'm going to start walking life different. I'm going to start listening different because it's very easy to, especially because I'm young in business. It's very easy to go ahead and look at other people's principles or other people's patterns and recipes for business. You got to post this much on social media. You got to make sure that you're making this much contact you got to get in the room so you got to pay for the expensive conferences and it's very easy to start getting a notepad out and writing out all the steps for somebody else's business and you never went back to God and said what is your perfect will for my life what is your perfect will for my business it's very easy to start dating courting or getting married and going to someone that you may even really admire and saying what is the secrets to marriage how can you blah 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 all they are going to give you if they're not really leaning in and honing in on what God said to say to you, all they're giving you is their recipe. And what you don't understand is there's never been a recipe where everybody 100% said, I'm going to cut and paste and copy this exactly as is. If that's the case, there will only be one version of spaghetti, one version of bread in the store out. Like when you look at the bread, you're like, bro, even though this is wheat, there are so many different wheats because somebody put their own spin on it. They were like, yeah, I know you like to do that, but I'm going to go ahead and omit the corn syrup. I ain't going to hold you. Like you do it that way, but you know what? I don't think I want to use a bleach enriched refined portion of it and so somebody went back to God got inspired by others but went back to God and was like so how do you want to customize this and personalize it in my life and so after I adopted that I became so okay with However, God wants to use me in my life. However, he wants to use me on earth. I became okay with thinking differently. I became okay with being, shall I say, dare I say, misunderstood. God has changed my view of work. He has changed my view on relaxation. He has changed my view on contentment and satisfaction. He has changed my view. The way that he has altered and changed my view, I have like, I feel like a totally different person. Truly. And if I didn't get this particular experience at this juncture of my life, I would have fumbled this by trying to add more people to the boat that God just intended just to be for he and I. There are certain lessons that God is like, listen, this is something that I just want to take you, Peter and John on, on this mountain. I'm not taking all the disciples. There are certain things that he's like, listen, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to raise this little girl from the dead. But like, I only want a certain amount of people in this room. And then I'm going to close the door to the outsiders. There's certain lessons that God is like, I need this to be more intimate. I need it to be closer to your heart. And I know you want to get excited. You want to add other people to the boat I know you want to get excited and you want to add other people to the room but you don't understand I added what will add to you anybody else even if you're excited about it is going to subtract what I'm trying to add to you so that's when you have a God-like 
experience and a domestic moment in your own kind of way. And then you'll get excited and run back and try to tell someone. And you're like, listen, this is what God did. And And then it just does not land the same for that person. And then if you're honest, you feeling different about not what God showed you, but the fact of like, man, you kind of brought my high down a little bit. I was on a spiritual cloud and you kind of brought it down because you're not responding the same. But could it be that God just wanted to go ahead and have that moment, which is you and him? Could it have been that he's like, listen, I I just wanted to have this intimate moment with you. Because as long as I am changing the way that you think, as long as you know that this is what I'm saying for your life, then you have the recipe and the coordinates of peace and happiness for your life. Let me have that particular moment for other people's lives. I'll find a time to go ahead and have a domestic moment. Trust me, people can't hide from me. If I called you, I will find you. And so you don't have to try to pull people into your refresher, your particular soul party. You don't have to pull people in. I got that that part just relax and enjoy the party that I threw for your soul and I'm truly on that path I'm like you know what God let's get it so one of the things that he's been working on me with is I want to show you the downside to control as a matter of fact I didn't really truly understand and dissect that control was a trauma response That when you had certain things happen to you and it was a lot of unpredictable, unexpected circumstances, sometimes the defense mechanism that rolls up in you is I'm going to control as much of my life and as much as the people that are in my life as I possibly can. And anyone who goes directly against that, I'm going to look at them like a threat. And so I'm going to start cutting off what doesn't abide and comply with my level of control. I did not notice That even though the anger that I used to have that was embedded in the control, even though the anger removed itself from the chat, that control in and of itself is still a trauma response. And then this is what God added. It is a peace dealer. I said, oh my gosh. God, can you show me like what you mean? He said, think about all the people that plan their weddings outside. You could plan a pretty picnic, but you can't predict the weather. <laughs> yeah, that you you thought for sure that was going to be. You can plan all the party that you want. You can plan all the weddings that you want. You can plan the backyard barbecue, the reunion, the E or the above. But let me tell you what you have no control over. You don't have control on the weather. You don't have control on everybody keeping their word if they are svp'd that they will be there you don't have if people don't arrive on time with the food if the the decorations went ahead and went away you don't have control all over any of that you actually only have control where where you sit and where you show up god literally brought me through so many different examples and he was like show me a example where you are in control of 100% of the thing. So I went, I was like money. He was like, no, cause you're not the source of your income. I was like, you're right. I'm just a vehicle. The fact that he allows you to go to work, the fact that he allows you to make income from that business, the fact that he allows anything to come into your home and your bank account for you to budget. You are not the, listen, let the bank close by mistake. Let there be a glitch some kind of way. You can't control you spending anything that day. 
Your children, have a nice day. How many people control sleeping through the night when they first had newborns? <laughs> How many people are able to control personalities? You can inflict fear, but you can't control your children at all. You, you can manage behaviors. You can manage mannerisms. But you can't control even the calling that God has over their lives. Yeah, you go ahead. You look at all the people like Yvonne Orgy and th- where their parents was like, listen, you, these are your three choices on career paths that you're going to have. And then ultimately, guess what? If God called, he will find them. And so she's not doing anything that her parents said that she was supposed to do, which was the medical field. She's now doing exactly what God destined her for. So now go back to her parents and say, have you controlled all your children? Do you control anything? And so instead of it being like, man, this is ridiculous and feeling some kind of way, I actually saw the peace in that. I said, yeah, you ask the person who hates to go ahead and uh, uh, coordinate parties. You ask them if you had the uh, choice between coordinating a party or just showing up as is nothing in hand at 4 p.m. like they said to, which one would you choose? And mostly all the grandbabies would choose the latter. Why? Because no one wants all the responsibility of being in control. You will go ahead and ask someone, do you want to go ahead and create a monthly budget for the rest of the year? Or do you just want to go ahead and budget with this particular income board? Or do you want to go ahead and just whatever is in your account say, okay, what is this for? And then you just disperse it the way that God told you to use it. Which one feels more relaxing? The latter. If you said, God, I can't control the gas and all that other stuff, but I'll be a good steward over where I'm driving, where I'm going, but I'm not about to look at the gas prices going up and down and inflation and all that. I'm not really subscribing to the news and all the things that try to feed me fear. I'm just not interested. So God, I'm going to choose that uh, you would just make it where wherever I go, I have the gas to get there. Doesn't that feel better? So I was like, so what's the posture that I need to have in life, God? And he said, I just want you to go with the flow with intentionality. I just want, I want you to go with the flow. I want to co-partner with you. I want to co-relate with you because that's just the kind of God we serve, right? He looked at the rest of that, uh, the headship and was like, listen, let's make man in our own image. He didn't have to include them, but he's very much a collaborator. He was like, listen, I don't want to do this by myself. This is not a dictatorship. I want a relationship. I want to be able to say, look what we made, look what we built. And I don't think that that stopped once he made humans. How do I know that? Because he brought all the animals to Adam and was like, you name them. God could have named them two birds and one stone real quick. He could have named them as he was uh, creating them. It was like, you know what? You look like a parakeet. I ain't going to hold you. <laughs> and could have kept it moving. But he was like, no. No, I don't want to say, hey, Adam, uh, these are all the rules. These are all the names. These are No, because he understands that you treat things better and you take care of it with a different posture when you personalize it for your life. Yeah, imagine you go into the hospital and you give him birth and they like, um, this is the baby's name. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ma'am, uh, 
okay. Matter of fact, ma- imagine you getting an apartment, you getting a house, and them saying, uh, we've already decorated. Like not having your imprint on something, doesn't it feel cold and sterile and just like nothing is cozy about that? And so I believe that there's a collaborative effort on how he wants you to live. But I believe that that collaborative effort requires for you to relinquish control. God will bring to you what he wants you to have. God will supply all your needs. There is a childlikeness that he keeps referencing that we need. And it's because children don't have the the audacity yet to worry. They just know how to go to the one that they recognize, oh, you're the person that meets my need and provides for me. And so I'm going to make my request be known. And then after my request is known, I'm going to go ahead and get out the way. So when I say, hey, listen, I'm hungry. I've never seen a toddler or it's not naturally innate for a toddler to then sit on the counter and go, "Uh -uh, uh uh-uh, get the butter. Why are you using that? Uh, And then to try to dictate and control what's being made in the kitchen. They just let you know either by crying if they're not verbal or go verbalizing in their own kind of way, eat, eat, however they need to do it. I need something to eat. And then they go back to watching whatever they was watching with the expectation and the faith that whoever is supplying my need is going to supply my need. And I don't have to control any aspect of that. So he truly, truly is like, listen, flow. You've been reading about Jesus at the bottom of the boat in the midst of the storm. And it's like, yikes, flow. I just need to learn how to get into a posture of flow. I need to get into a posture of flow, but it still needs to be a level of intentionality there. So when I thought about this level of flow, the first person who came to mind was Abraham. And how he was just, you know how I know somebody's uh, going with the flow by how much they respond back to God. When God called Gideon, he was like, now wait, wait, hold on my big fella. (laughs) I don't know if you chose the right, you called the right number because did you see the family I come from? And then even in that lowest of the family, he's the lowest of the lowest. Like, sir, you sure you got the right area code? Did you press, um, like he was really trying to convince God. Like you sure you look at, uh, Moses with the burning bush situation. He was like, now hold on there, big fella. (laughs) You may want to, bro. Have you heard the way that he speaks? Yeah. You may want to go ahead and just you know dial back on your choice I can tell how much a person truly trusts God I can tell how much fellowship someone really has with God by the way they respond to God when God says to do a thing and out of all the times that somebody should have had some rebuttal it should have been Abraham especially Especially because I feel like God added a little bit more sauce on this particular request. It's like, now, God, hold on now. I've been reading your word. And this one feels like you was like rubbing it in a little bit. Like, "Mm, can you give me why why you decided that you wanted to do it this way, God? But you know what? That's between you and you. (laughs) So I'm just going ahead and and, and not hold me, okay? I want to read Genesis 22. You know I read from the NLT version. But watch how God add the sauce in verse 2. So verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham. God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Watch how he rubbed it in. Two, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering 
on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Three. The next morning, Abraham got, wait, time out. <laughs> Wody, Wody, um, God, can I, I'm going to raise my hand. Can I say something? Like, that's probably how I would have read if it was me in it. Just keeping it a buck, you know what I'm saying? It was like, uh, I felt like you was like, <clears throat> you got my attention because you called my name. Okay, gotcha. And then you went ahead to remind me of how much this child means to me. You went the extra mile to remind me so that it will be no questions asked. This is what I'm requiring for you to do. And Abraham heard that and was like, okay, <laughs> sir, I want to go back to two. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Now, pause. I believe that this was a foreshadow of Jesus and that God made sure that he illustrated it in this way because never, ever, ever after this has he asked anybody to sacrifice their child at all. But I think that he wanted to show just as difficult as this sounds, just as difficult as this is to read, just as difficult as it probably was to say to Abraham, God later had to do this with Jesus. He had to sacrifice his son. Yes, his only son, whom he loves so much and let him be sacrificed so that we can have a different relationship with him. So I think what God is essentially doing is I'm never going to ask you to do something that I didn't have to do myself. I'm never going to ask you to do something that I feel like you don't have the ability to do. I'm never going to ask you to do something if I didn't equip you to do it. But Lord, <laughs> I'm talking... And Buddy was equipped because it didn't, he didn't even give him the okay. He didn't give him the head nod. Bible just says the next morning Abraham got up early. Sir, you slept good after that? Sure did. Wow. You be trusting and do. So the next morning Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. Four. On the third day of their journey, pause, sir, and you sustained in that posture of like, if God said it, I'm going to do it. You didn't let any negative self-talk get you out of being in perfect alignment with God. You didn't, there's nothing that came up on day one that you had to rebuke in the name because you ain't have no Jesus at that point, but you ain't have something that you could re rebuke real quick. There was nothing that came up or fizzled up on day two that you were like, mm, I'm not that far from home. If I turn around and nothing made you recalculate, like I know you ain't have no GPS, but I'm sure you saw by the sandals you, you, and the dirt in your toenails that you're not that, that far away. And then nothing in day three. Wow. Bro, you relinquish all control to God. 
You've relinquished everything with him. You said, I'm going with the flow. I'm not trying to, listen, I'm not trying to hold on to stuff that I can't control. If God said to do it, who am I to try to bargain with God? Who am I to try to alter and adjust his mindset and perfect will? If God said this, then it's this. I don't have to understand it. Being in a posture of I have to understand it means that you're trying to control God. No, God, before I move, you're going to tell me what this is about and you're going to tell it to me in a way that it makes sense to me. So even when you trying to figure out things, you are ultimately trying to control God. Yeah, have a nice day. Um, so for on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in a distance. Five, stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will go come right back. Six, so Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Eight, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. Nine. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Ten. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. We the name of Jesus. Eleven. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. 12. Don't lay a hand on that boy. <laughs> the angel said, do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld me from even your son, your only son. 13. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrifices it as a burnt offering in place of his son. 14. <laughs> Abraham named that place Yahweh Yira, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Wait a minute. This was a perfect illustration of releasing control go with the flow but with intentionality I'm not about to try to explain to all the servants what I'm getting ready to do with Isaac so I'm gonna go ahead and once I see that we're getting closer I'm gonna tell them boys stay right here because I don't I don't need to fight through like wait 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 wait. why are you doing this oh because God told me to do it well how can listen y'all not y'all not about to try to convince me out of God's perfect will I'm not interested so what I'm gonna do is once I see it in the far like oh, okay y'all boys stay right here right that was intentionality to then go ahead and have to answer his son like okay so I see the uh, supplies but Where's the offering, bro? Like, oh, God's going to provide it. And that was a perfect illustration of going with the flow. But let me explain something to you about the kind of grandbaby I am in this season. God, you're going to have to give me some behind the scenes because what? Like, what happened? I need to know what 
Did he eat a particular kind of fruit? Like, do I need to eat a fruit to be intentional, to have the intentional life that you want me to have? What do I need to do to demonstrate this level of flow, of just intentionality, of releasing control? How can I get on my Abrahamic sandals? You understand? Do I need to wear the open toes? Like, what do I need to do? Because there's one thing about seeing someone's recipe, that's cute. Oh, that's a great cake. Oh, that macaroni and cheese, that lasagna. I hope I'm not trying to make you hungry. Oh, that particular meal looks awesome. It's another thing to look at the display of something, but that doesn't get you far. You're looking at the byproduct and going, wow, that's amazing. But what you really need to be asking is, what's the recipe and how did you make that? And so that's the season that I am. I'm I'm looking at Abraham and I'm like, listen, hand clap of praise for you. I ain't gonna hold you. I ain't gonna hold you. Very much. Hand clap of praise for you, because that's the kind of grandbaby I am. I applaud the other peoples and the other grandbabies thereof. But also, comma, no parentheses. What? Like What's the recipe? What's your ingredients, sir? And how did you make that? And so I went ahead and as fast as I could, a gingerbread man, went to Hebrews 11. Yes, the wall of faith, because it mentions Abraham, gives me a behind the scene, and now it's making all the sense to me. It literally says in Hebrews 11, verse 17, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, 18. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted, 19. Here's the, you you want the ingredients? Here it is, 19. Abraham reasoned, That if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Pause. Quavo, you know I'm about to ask you. Run that back. 19. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. Hold on. Is that why God says in Romans 12 to do not conform of the behaviors and the customs and the thought processes and the way of thinking that other people are doing in your culture? That's just the way your family thinks. That's just the way the women in your family are. That's just the way the men in your family are. Is he literally saying that, yo, what saved Isaac but essentially kept Abraham in a posture of obedience was his thought process. Bruh. He reasoned. He thought to himself. He conjured up in the medulla avangata and said, I'm not even going to give this no second thought. I'm already convinced that if This does go through, and I'm willing to go through it, that God will resuscitate him, period. And I'm going to make my way downtown for three whole days just to do what God said. And he did it. Like, wow. So in order to go with the flow and you releasing control in your life, dare I say it has something to do with your thought process in that area? 
Like, dare I say that your peace is being stolen in an area because you won't relinquish control in that area. Dare I say that you're having issues with, like God said, listen, let that particular relationship go. Let that particular job go. Let the ideal that you had for this child, for that family member, for that E or the above, let that go and trust that I have a perfect will for it. And however you need to do it, do it. But maybe it has something to do with your mindset behind it. I believe that this would have read different if Abraham was like, no, 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 God, I love him too much. I ain't going to hold you. Um, No, God, because I waited a long time. I waited a hundred years, sir, a century, okay, for you to give me this child. No, 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 no. I, no, because Sarah was laughing and she didn't even believe you. And now that you gave it to me, like, I, I'm going to go back home and tell her what, sir? No, mm -mm. imagine if that was his thought process. Then I don't believe that he would have made the Faith Hall of Fame, Hebrews 11, and I also don't believe that God would have been pleased with him. And I also don't believe that we would have known him as uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What do you need to shift? Challenge alert, mindset-wise, thought process-wise, reasoning with yourself-wise in your life that is holding you back from releasing control to just doing what God asked you to do. Can I tell on myself real quick? God asked me to do something business-wise, and my reasoning initially with myself was, well, God, that don't make no sense for me to go ahead and build yet another thing, and I'm not getting the response I want on the previous things. The fact that I didn't operate outside of that reasoning it kept me stuck and what God had to show me is you are trying to control the plan that I have for your life because even you having that mindset says God until you convince me I'm not moving oh okay so now after reading about Abraham and getting the behind the scenes, I realize that whatever area you don't have peace about, whatever area that you're intentionally or unintentionally struggling in, dare I say that there's a thought process that needs to be demolished? I know that it didn't end up the way that you thought, but maybe if you change your thought process behind it and just flow with God, then maybe you can keep peace even still. Maybe you can go ahead and, and experience happiness even still. Because the whole idea is for not, not for you to be 100% comfortable with everything that God's asking you to do. That's not it. You'll be deceiving yourself if you believe that. The whole thing is to be 100% obedient with God. And so whatever you have to do to hack yourself, please do that. But for me, uh, and I went ahead and shared this with you. For me, it was release control. How do I release control? Changing your mindset behind it. How do I change my mindset behind it? It's not about you. And if God is asking you to rid something, then he'll bring it back better. If God's asking you to start something, it's because he knows the perfect timing. If God's saying, okay, now's the move, but you feel ill-prepared, it's because he's going to prepare you along the way. Whatever it is, you just got to change your mindset behind it. Just swap out whatever you're thinking for like, oh, this is, 
definitely God. So what I'm going to go ahead and do is believe that whatever it is that's behind this, I'm going to swap it for, oh, I get it now. God, you want me to buy that? I, I, I feel ill prepared. Okay, well, he will prepare you along the way. He will equip you if he called you. You see how those thought processes are different even when you swap that out? Like, mm, you want me to change careers after all the time that I, well, maybe God has something so dope that I've hit the ceiling spiritually in this particular seat and he needs for my light to shine in another sphere, another organization, another company. Yeah, there's a different group of people. My assignment has changed. So it's a different group of people that I need to impact that um, are not here. So God will have it that he will move me not to disrupt me, but to be able to use me on a bigger scale because he trusts that if he puts me over there, then I will be used according to his will. You see that? This whole entire conversation is based on one factor. The more control that you decide you're not going to release, you've already decided your level of contentment, satisfaction, and overall happiness in that area. And you can only release control if you truly understand and have reason with yourself that if I give this away, that if I do what God's asking me to do, even if it's a difficult thing at first, even if I feel ill-prepared, God has the perfect timing. It is his perfect will. And anything that operates outside of that is directly saying to God, I'm willing to be disobedient, rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And that's not what I'm on because I realized that my peace has a lot to do with my alignment with God and my obedience has a lot to do with my fellowship with God. So it is what it is. I'm, this is the journey that I'm on, hmm? but listen, I feel like you got what you needed. I ain't going to hold you. You know what these conversations are, right? They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to have with you, but who your favorite homegirl created the number two multiply. You should know it by heart because she's on the YouTubes doing the Lord's will. Okay. Making disciples, <laughs> whatever he chooses to do created the number two multiply.com for all the things that are all the things, the text and the blocking community that's on Patreon, but that's under strive, the letter N inspire. And listen, we, we going to reason differently. We going to go ahead and listen, move over. Um, Abraham and all the rest of y'all. I'm about to be on the faith wall of fame as well. Okay. But I'm gonna go ahead and let you let me go. We talk later. Cause you got YouTubes and all kind of other stuff to go ahead and fashion into your schedule. Okay. Um, we talk later. Absolutely. Later.